This is the Canola Watch Podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. Welcome to episode three in our Farmer series. With me today is Jackie Dudgeon McDonald. Jackie farms near Darlingford, a village in south central Manitoba. She also works for Farmer's Edge and is a board member with Manitoba Canola Growers. I met Jackie at the Manitoba Canola Growers Learn to Lead event in Brandon earlier this spring, and I knew I had to have her on the podcast. Here we go. First question is simple. Just tell me about the farm. Um, mine and my husband's farm is actually relatively new. So we just moved on to our uh, property not even a year ago. So where we have now settled is is new to us, but my husband has been raising uh, cows since he was... 15 probably. Um, so that is mine and my husband's operation is North Shade Cattle Co. where we're raising uh, cow calf. And then we are slowly transitioning my dad's grain farm uh, over to us as well. I feel a lot of times like a bit of an imposter because I was, uh, I grew up in town. So uh, my, we grew up, I grew up in Morden. So Darlingford is the closest town to the farm and one of the mailing addresses. Um, but I actually grew up uh, in the town of Morden. Um, when my dad took over the farm from my grandpa, there was no house on the farm. Uh, my mom uh, was raised in the city and she was a teacher. So we grew up in town. My dad drove out, drove out to the farm, not every single day, but whenever he, uh, he needed to. So I'm kind of, I call myself like a hybrid farm kid. Um, I did not grow up uh, doing combine rides, tractor rides, chores, you name it. I grew up with the luxury of a town kid life and only later on kind of developed an interest in egg. A lot of farmers are moving their families off the farm to town. You did the opposite, yeah. and it's, but it's only been a year. So what, what do you think the challenges are going to be for you and your family? Oh, gosh, I was actually talking with someone this morning about one of the challenges for me personally. Um, I'm heading back to work on Monday, actually, uh, after my mat leave here. And uh I am extremely lucky that we were able to find childcare in Morden. It is very hard to come by in Manitoba and, and a lot of areas these days, but especially for rural families. Um, I have to get my kids somehow into daycare, a 15-minute drive there and back, so half an hour in and out of town. I work from home, so I'm not going on my way to work. My husband has pretty, like, you know, hours gone for work pretty early in the morning, usually, and home late, so it's kind of up to me. Um I am just, I'm not sure how we're going to do it quite yet. And then when we start going to school and one kid's going to school on the bus and the other one still needs to be driven into daycare, I, like, I'm just, that's my biggest struggle right now is figuring out logistics of living on a farm. Jackie, what's your off-farm job? I work as a sales manager for an ed tech, ed tech company. So for Farmer's Edge, I manage a sales team of about, fluctuates five to eight that is what I do. I cover Southeast Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario. So it's Does that easy. require a lot of travel? You said you work from home, but how often are you actually home? Yeah. So I, you know, COVID changed things for sure. I do a lot of my job from home. Um, a lot of remote leading, remote coaching, um, managing of the team. I do try to get out on the road with my team and visit their customers or um, go to events or tours with them as much as possible. But I would say... 80% of the time I'm at home. I want to go back in time a little bit. You said you grew up in Morden. You weren't, mm -hmm. you were a farm kid, but sort of a hybrid farm kid because you grew up in a town of eight or 8,000 or so, which is Morden. Yep. Yep. 
And your first degree or, or your degree was in interior design. How did that happen? Well, actually, my first my, my interior design degree was an afterthought. My first I first went to university to become an athletic therapist because I don't know. Um, that seemed like a good option at the time, kind of like the idea of being a physiotherapist, but it wasn't quite as much schooling. <laughs> so it sounded a bit easier to me. <laughs> um, I quickly learned in my first year that human biology was extremely difficult and extremely boring. Um, and I much, I gravitated more towards the plant biology aspects and those courses. Um, but that's not actually what kind of pushed me into egg eventually. Um, I, uh, I came back from my first university or my first summer of university and my dad got me a job at, at the time it was a Viterra. Um, it was the retail that my dad purchased his inputs from still purchases his inputs from. And I got a summer job there, um, blending fertilizer and delivering chemical and sweeping floors and all that kind of fun stuff. And call me crazy. I don't know. I fell in love with it. I worked for two years in the at a seed plant in Brandon, Wheat City mm. Seeds, actually run yes. by my my uncle and and one of my cousins. Right. So I did I did a lot of grunt work there for a couple of years, and it set me up nicely for for the job I'm doing now. But but you've you've conveniently glossed over the interior design <laughs> uh, <laughs> question. I so I, I did that. So I did it. I did my interior design. Um, I got a little diploma in it. It has always been a passion of mine. I love it. Um, I've loved interior design from the get-go. I remember growing up, um, whatever, every evening, my mom and I sitting on the couch watching HGTV, Trading Spaces was the uh, TV show that was then, like, was it back then. Um, and we watched it religiously. Um, I absolutely loved it. And my dream was to be an interior designer. Now, one thing that, uh, as I got closer to graduating high school and kind of figuring out what was going to be my next step in life, uh, was a hard realization that if I really wanted to make it as an interior designer in, now this was, I graduated high school in 2008. So I'm thinking this in like 2006, 2007, um, you got to move to a big city. Uh, and I had zero interest in living in a big city. Um, you know, if Instagram was around then and you could make a business as an interior designer, just by posting pictures on an Instagram profile. Yeah. I probably would have pursued that a little harder, but at that time, it was moving to, you know, Toronto or Vancouver or something like that. A big city, Winnipeg even really didn't have the capacity to hire a bunch of interior designers at the time. So it kind of was one of those passions that got put on the back burner for a little while. Um, and one winter, I was kind of bored and decided to just uh, go, go online and do my interior design because I was curious and interested and I loved it. So it was kind of more of a passion project, I guess you could say. This could, this is going to sound like a stretch, but is there any skills from, from that, from the interior design that works in your everyday life? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And so it isn't totally a stretch. I would say it kind of has been able to, in my mind, merge two of my uh, passions. So I've also, you know, I've always kind of, since I got started, been I've loved agriculture and farming and everything about it. And we're we're now venturing out into uh, marketing and selling our beef direct to consumer. Um, and with that, I we need to have an Instagram page and 
a website and a presence in that way. And that takes a lot of um, marketing and good design and catching things that people are going to see and want to, you know, purchase from you. I am that person that if you go to a store and I'm looking at a wall of wine bottles, I'm going to pick the one that has the nicest label, which is weird, um, versus the one that might taste better or is cheaper or <laughs> what have you. Um, so yeah, it kind of, it's, it's merged in the, in the sense that I'm able to provide marketing and, uh, ads, logos, you name it for our own personal business and brand. That makes total sense. If you like, if you're competing with other direct consumer beef providers and your site looks amazing mm -hmm. and it's just well, well designed for a good user experience and someone else's site looks awful, then yeah. maybe you, you connect the quality of the beef with the quality of the website. And and maybe 100%. that's not fair, but that's what people will do. That's what people do. You're exactly right. It, regardless of if it's fair or not, it's 100% what people are going to do. They're going to gravitate towards what they feel looks the nicest. Jackie, you're doing a lot of pretty cool stuff. So you've got your your beef <laughs> operation, you've got your your father's grain operation that you're going to take over. Mm -hmm. You've got your farmer's edge business. Um, yeah. You got you got the direct to consumer beef, which we just talked about. Yeah. Yet for all of those accomplishments, plus two kids, I guess you could add to that. Yeah. Uh, throw those in your there. your profile for the Manitoba Canola Growers Leadership Event just in March. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this question, what has been your top challenge so far in your career? And you said being taken seriously. Yeah. Why did you say that? Um, I feel, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons why I've said that. Number one, I think the biggest one is just being a female in the egg industry. Now, um, it has definitely gotten much uh, broader and more diverse in the last 10 years. Um, but when I started, you know, my, my, my egg diploma class was still, you know, a class of 60 and only 10 girls. Um, so I've always kind of felt the need to prove myself and, you know, make sure people understand that I know what I'm talking about. Um, but then I think also the fact that I did not grow up on a farm, um, for a long time, people would talk about certain piece of equipment or certain times a year, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, and I felt really silly, like I should know these things. My dad's a farmer. Why don't I know this? Um, why why can't I relate on the same level? Um, and it's because I didn't grow up being immersed in it like a lot of my classmates and a lot of my peers were. Um, so that's always made me feel like I also need to prove myself and be, and and do do everything I can so that people understand that I do know what I'm talking about and it doesn't matter where where I grew up or how I grew up or the experiences I've had um, that I, I still do know what I'm talking about and I still can be you know at the table with them. So that's definitely mm -hmm. been a struggle and also like just personally I'm no matter what I do I always have imposter syndrome. I never think I'm. Um, you know, someone asked me to do something and I'm like, oh, you don't, you don't want me to do that. And they're like, no, no, we, we do. And I'm like, really? Um, so I think that's also just, a, you know, no one else is putting that on me. I think it's mostly just me putting it on myself. I have very high expectations for myself. Right. And that maybe that's part of it, isn't it? Is that you have mm -hmm. high expectations. And if you feel like in any way you're not achieving or meeting that expectation that you feel like a, an imposter. Mm -hmm. you, is it is it getting better? 
Um, yes, I think every time that uh, it is, I, or here's a good example of it anyway. Um, at my previous job before I worked at Farmer's Edge, when I, you know, let some of my customers know that I was going to be moving on. Um, here I am thinking that like, you know, I had to move on from this job because I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Um, you know, I was a I was a territory sales manager. I was a territory sales manager, so you know, being in front of the face of the grower and the retail is very important. Um, at that time, my husband and I lived in McGregor, where he's from. Uh, we had our son. Um, we weren't, you know, we didn't have my family around there to kind of help us out. So it's kind of just me and my husband. And my husband had really long hours. He's a welder. Um, so it's kind of just me you know, doing daycare pickup and drop off on childcare and kids are sick and I'm stuck at home. And I just kind of felt like I was failing um, at, at this job. I wasn't in their face enough. I wasn't supporting them like I would, like I should be. Um, and so I decided to move to a position that would allow me to be home more and a bit more of that flexibility. And I know when I was making the call to some of my really, you know, top customers and the ones that I work quite a bit with and really enjoyed, they were just like, oh, you know, this is really too bad. You're, you're one of the best reps we've ever had. And I was like, really? Because I don't feel like I was doing enough. Um, so every time something like that happens in my life, I kind of like th that imposter syndrome and that feeling of needing to prove myself kind of goes a little bit more away. Oh, that that's such a good story. And, and it's nice to hear that feedback. The Just on the on the retail, uh, mm -hmm. the importance of that, that retail connection. I know we've done some surveys through the Canola Council and farmers uh, rely on retails for a lot of their agronomy information. And yes. so our, our objective then is to help retails with canola agronomy. So connecting mm -hmm. as much as we can with retails because we know that the power that they have, that those face-to-face -face conversations are so critical when it comes yeah. to farmers, um, you know, asking questions about best practices, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a bigger picture about yeah. um, a, the welcoming environment of agriculture. We need more people in agriculture, whether it's mm -hmm. new farmers or just all other areas of the industry. The industry is huge. Yeah. Do you, do you think we could do a better job industry-wide of, of opening our arms and welcoming people who may not feel comfortable who may not have a farm background but are so essential to the future of the industry i think so for sure yeah i i still think back to so many times um you know when i was graduating university with some of my peers the ones who had maybe grown up in the city um they definitely had a different everyone had a different view on them and i'm like you know why are we deterring people who are passionate about egg um, regardless of where they came from, from being part of our industry. Like we need, we need these people here because, um, you know, a lot of my class is going back to the farm. So who's going to be the ones that are going to help you if we don't, you know, uplift some of these other people? Um, I think we could 100% do a better job. Like, let's get real. There's a few people when you go, when you walk into an event, there's always going to be those warm people that are very welcoming. And those are the kind of people that everyone's going to gravitate to. But then there's also going to be a bunch of people in the room that are going like, what are they doing here? Um, whether that's a person of a different gender, different race, um, anything. Uh, and I just, that, 
that's kind of that old mentality, that old school thinking that I, you know, I know it's on its way out, but we need to do a better job of embracing that. Um, we have, there's so many talented people, especially in, when you look in, in research, which is, uh, hugely important to the canola market especially in in western canada i mean if we don't have people researching stuff for canola for us what what are we doing um we're kind of wasting our time we're spinning our wheels but if we're not going to make them feel welcome on our farms and make them feel welcome at our events uh what do we expect With you and your husband and, and your extended family, do you talk about the future of the farm, a vision for the farm business? And if so, what is it? Um, yeah, I would say I talk a lot about the vision of the farm and my husband kind of just listens. <laughs> um, but maybe a lot of people can relate with me on that. I've always kind of been someone who can talk a lot. And then that just kind of has carried me through my life here. I think maybe my husband doesn't say much because he also agrees. At least I'm hoping. That's what I tell myself. Um, but I do leave room for him to give his opinion as well, too. We're both different thinkers, though. Uh, he is very much like the operational guy. Like He knows how to fix it. He knows how to operate it without ever blinking. Like It's, it's incredible. I am like the planner, um, the financials, the like, you know, this stuff that kind of helps keep things running behind the scenes. So we definitely have big goals. I know one of the ones we've talked about recently is, you know, we've just kind of started selling our beef direct to consumer and it's been kind of exciting and, and exploring this. And, and one of our goals would be that in five years, we're not selling any beef to the auction mart um, and we're doing it all direct to consumer. And we're also able to sell specific cuts instead of just bulk. Someone buying a quarter or half. Um, so there's some dreams there with that. Uh, being able to market things a lot more just just differently but we know we kind of need to start small before we really get going um another goal of ours which this one almost sometimes seems impossible because i don't know how people how people do it currently would be that uh in about maybe five to seven years my husband doesn't have to work an off-farm job anymore um that one's kind of scary because you know that that steady income is nice but um it gets to be a lot there's only so many hours in the day and only so many days in the year and only so many years left in our lives. So do we want to spend the entire time working? And I, I mean, no, we don't. <laughs> Not really. Um, so that would kind of be, those, those are the two big goals for us right now. Those are the ones we're really pushing and working towards. I think a goal to generate enough revenue on the farm that you don't have to work off farm jobs sounds like a, a good noble goal. Just, yes. just back, to, back to your husband and yeah. being quieter. Uh, two two comments. Um, I think that the fact that you have different roles probably makes for a healthier relationship. You you know what you're both good at, and and you do those. But how mm -hmm. how do you how do you make sure you're connecting with someone who doesn't talk as much as you? Oh, um, a lot of times I find the best way to. Uh, connect or especially when it's on something that we're not necessarily seeing eye to eye on is I, I often try to we have those conversations in in my husband's comfort zone right in the tractor doing chores um, in the barn while he's doing something um, 
that usually is the best, but oftentimes we do have a conversation and then kind of walk away and come back to it. Uh, hmm. Cause sometimes, you know, we're, it's like you said, it's a positive that we're both have our strengths and they're different from each other, but we're also both extremely stubborn, like extremely stubborn. Um, I think my way is right. He thinks his way is right. But we've both kind of come to an understanding that when it comes to the areas we're strongest in, so um, for myself, like financials and the background and the planning, he just, like, if I have an idea that is, like, in that realm, he kind of just goes along with it versus if he has an idea, like, operational-wise, like, hey, this is going to make more sense if we do this because ABC, I kind of just say, hey, great, let's go get it done. Um, so, I, you know... I don't think sometimes, you know, husband and wives maybe don't always work best together, but I think we've kind of hit the jackpot here because we, uh, we really do respect each other. And even if we might not agree initially with what the other one is saying, we eventually come around to it. <laughs> what, what are the barriers to achieve the farm goals? What's standing in your way? Money. Everything's just so expensive. Um, right now, you know, every dream you have, little or big, you start adding it up and you're like, okay, oh boy, that's going to be um, big. We have support. Uh, the support, you know, we don't have any issue there. Um, we have family support, no question about it. Um, no hesitations there. Um, but it, the biggest one is, is financials. Yes, we both work off-farm jobs, but we're also, um, our off-farm jobs are subsidizing our cattle operation because I think everyone knows that you don't raise beef because it is the biggest money maker you do it because you love it um and this is definitely something that we do because we love um so you know when you get that fuel bill and your fertilizer bill we're not at a point right now where the farm is being able to pay those bills we're paying those bills so anything we want to do in terms of growth is costing money at this point we have been able to make some changes though like i said selling our uh, beef direct to consumer has been able to allow a bit more profit for us in, in our hands anyway. I don't know how other farmers don't have off-farm jobs. Like when someone tells me that they're a husband and wife and they both work on the farm and it's not necessarily the biggest farm out there, um, I I sit down, it, it keeps me awake at night. I'm like, how do they do it? How do they do that? Um, other than being comfortable with debt, like that can't be the only thing. How important is it to your farm business to have a, a bit of a financial benchmark uh, with other farms in the area? Yeah, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't need, I mean, I have I have no desire to actually know my neighbor's financials. It's more one of those, like, how do they do it so I can replicate whatever they're doing so that we can get to that point as well? Like, how have they done that? Um, how have they gotten there? What What steps have they taken? What what's going on in the background that we can't see. I think benchmarks of people in the area are helpful, but I think it's only helpful when the farms that you're kind of benchmarking yourself to are in a similar situation. Um, you know, to for us to compare our farm to like, you know, a couple of our neighbors who are in their 50s or 60s and kind of like slowing down and have been at this for a long time isn't necessarily helpful. But comparing us to the couple other young couples in the area who are either just taking over their family farm or kind of like in that same situation, like I think it would be helpful for 
um, well, for us and them to kind of see what, what are these other people doing? Maybe there's programs they're using that, you know, we're not utilizing that we could, we could look into. Who do you think you could ask about that? Because I think that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Like Farm Management Canada or local banks or local local accounting firms, would they would they have benchmarking information like that? Because that sounds like great questions to ask them or ask somebody, because yeah. it could really help either put your mind at ease or or set you down a path where it's easier to achieve those goals. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Um, my like my dad does business with BDO. Um, and they do benchmarking for him um, with just, you know, other people and just general farms in the area. So so it's definitely out there. Um, we do have a really great relationship with our um, financial providers. Um, and I'm sure if I if I asked, they'll do it. I think just most of the time when they're here, I have so many other questions that maybe some of those things get forgotten. But, yeah, our, our accountants have been great resources for us um they've definitely done done everything that they can um to make sure that we're maximizing uh every dollar we have and and kind of using everything to the best of our ability um but yeah it'll it'll almost just be nice to have like a i know some other farmers have done this as well too but you know how like old old guys go sit at tim hortons at 5 a.m in the morning and kind of like chit chat and you know farmer gossip and also just chat about how things are going on it's like we need one of those that's at like an appropriate time for people who have young kids um so like middle of the day (laughs) or after they go to bed like once a month where you can sit around and like everyone there is comfortable enough to share like hey this is where we're at this is kind of like what our situation is like hey you know what are you guys doing what are you guys doing and then kind of like it grows from there every week I really like that idea. When my kids were young, I used to take mm-hmm. them to the library and the librarian would read to them and I would sit around and play with bean bags or something. But um <laughs> but if you got if you got together at, with uh with the kids and the kids played in the corner while you talked mm-hmm. about farm business, that that might be a, a great model for a a networking group. Yeah, I mean who needs book clubs and play dates? We're going to close with a, a brief talk about Manitoba canola growers. Yeah. You are a new director. What was your motivation? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I was kind of in a phase of my life where if I saw something that I was like, oh, that would be interesting. But like, you know, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. I'm not this. I kind of like stopped doing that to myself and just started doing things. Um, so kind of like, you know, what's that uh, movie? Yes, man. Like I was kind of like that. Like I was just saying yes to everything. Um, and I've always been interested. I grew up seeing my dad on boards. So my dad was, you know, member of the pulse growers for many, many years. So I I, kind of grew up seeing it. It wasn't, you know, wasn't something that was new to me. Um, and I saw that, you know, it was out there. I looked at the ad that they were looking for people to be a director for a couple weeks before I did anything. Cause I kept going, "Eh, eh, I don't know. Um, and then one day I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this because you know why not? Um, this could be really great. And one of the things I've always has been consistent throughout my entire career, um, once I got started in egg, was that I've always just, if I don't do anything with my life, um, as long as I come to the end of my life and someone, more specifically a farmer, 
can come to me and say thank you, um, that would make me feel really good. So I've always had a career in sales, um, which is great. You know, I'm helping, I'm helping, you know, the stuff we're doing, the stuff you're selling, the stuff you're promoting is, is good stuff. It's not bad stuff. But I wanted to do something that for once wasn't like I wasn't trying to make a profit from it. I was just doing something for the good of doing it. Um, and that kind of seemed like the in, like, yeah, I could probably volunteer at a, at the thrift store or a soup kitchen or something, but you know, this was my, this was my niche. And I got, it was the first time they had an election in a long time because there was enough of us that were going for those, uh, four spots that were available. And I got, uh, I got elected in, it was really, um, I was surprised, but it was really exciting. What was your platform? Like what were, what were you wanting to achieve? If there is some way that through the canola growers, I can help bridge the gap from leaving school to being back on the farm and making things see like in more bite-sized pieces and more manageable. If that's the mark I leave while I'm at canola growers, that's kind of the end goal uh, for me. Both my dad and I did not come back to the farm right away. Um, actually my dad and I have very similar stories, which is very strange. He lived in Portage for a year. I lived in Portage for a year. Um, he, he got his back. interior design degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, we just finally got rid of the TV stand he's had for the last 40 years. So he did not get his interior design, uh, degree diploma thing. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but he did work for the assessment branch in a couple of different places. And he worked for an accountant in Winnipeg and he kind of moved around and eventually went back to the farm. Um, and that was one thing he was really adamant with me. That is, if I ever did want to come back to the farm, I had to work off the farm first. And I'm very thankful that he did that. Um, the perspective that it brings back to you first off coming back in your thirties versus in your twenties. Cause as much as I would love as much as my 20 year old self would hate to hear this, I didn't know anything in my twenties. Um, I know things now. And probably when I'm 40, I'll be like, you knew nothing in your thirties. What are you talking about? Um, and unfortunately now I'll have evidence that I said that. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I did my ed diploma at U of M, which was fantastic. It got you prepared to go back onto the farm. It You you learned financials, you learned bake statements, you learned how to market your grain. You, you, you just, it was a, it's a phenomenal program. Um, but I didn't go back to the farm right away. And now I'm sitting here trying to figure all this stuff out on my own, as well as with our accountant and whatever. And, you know, sometimes a half hour call with your accountant's not cheap. So, um, I'm trying to figure it out all on my own. And if there was some sort of program, like a, a class I could sign up for, that was like a one day class of like, here's farming 101. Um, I would do that. And, you know, there's gotta be other people in my position that aren't farming right away, aren't going back to the farm right away, or have never farmed before and are starting their own farm. That, that would be a passion project for me for sure. Um, while I'm on canola growers is trying to help bridge that gap. Uh, have you thought about how you would do that? No, no, not yet. It's definitely something that I've, I've something that I've been putting a lot of thought into, but no, I haven't. But I feel like learn to lead is maybe a good uh, jumping ground. Maybe there. you need, um, uh, so you think you want to be a farmer <laughs> and, and anyone who has any inkling that they might want to farm could come and 
we could have some farmers on the panel say tell them about what it's like to be a farmer and and someone else describing the opportunities within agriculture i think that would be perfect i think you just started a new podcast (laughs) well jackie we've come to the end oh that was so quick yeah Thank you. Yeah. You said you wanted someone to say thank you, and I have to thank you because oh. you're do, you're doing so much, and and it was great to talk to you. I I, I think you'll be a, an inspiration, hopefully, to all of our listeners who are not farmers but who want to hopefully. be farmers someday. And then hopefully one day they will come to whatever training that we get started up, or so you think you want to be a farmer. Put a link in the bottom for future reference. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really good. I just hope that um, number one, people understand that, you know, just because you didn't go back to the farm right away doesn't mean it's not possible. And number two, that um, every experience I've had in life that I've said, well, why not, has always led to um, something really, really positive. So, you know, we should all be yes men and yes women in our, uh, and yes people in our, uh, in our life. That was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Jackie Dudgeon McDonald farms near Darlingford, Manitoba. If we put Jackie in charge of luring people of all backgrounds into agriculture, our future looks brighter than it already is. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you're not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay, like the bird. Thank you very much for listening.